Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. First, thanks to everybody who's been a guest and all my listeners this past year. It's been uh, just great. I want to thank everyone for your emails and your support, your phone calls, and for coming up to me in person when you see me here or there and telling me how much you enjoy Movie Beat. Keep in mind that the official website is RexSykesMovieBeat at R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's RexSykes.com. And Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. You can subscribe to the official Movie Beat website by clicking on the RSS feed right there at the welcome page at RexSykes.com. And that way you're always going to be updated to changes in the website and the blogs and the guest lineup. So stay tuned. Uh, pay attention to uh, all the incredible guests I have coming up. And um, if you're listening to this conversation live, then uh, you can make Movie Beat a favorite. You can friend us right there on the live site uh, on Blog Talk Radio. You can uh, leave comments there if you like. You can store it as an MP3 or as a podcast. Hopefully the iTunes store is uh, in the process of cataloging all of these, and in a short while you'll be able to just download them from the iTunes store, but uh, I'll let you know about that when it happens. If you're listening at RexSykes.com to an archive show, keep in mind that there are other incredible shows and guests that you're going to want to listen to. Uh, we've had uh, just great success with the guests this year. Uh, they've all provided wonderful information that you're going to want to have, and, and I mean you're really going to want to have it. You'll learn things that maybe you didn't know and listen to people who uh, you should know. So uh, be sure to listen to all the interviews. There's about 70 of them right there archived on the website. And um, before I bring on my guest, I, I want to say whether you're listening live or archived, um, you can share Rex Sykes Movie Beat with everyone through Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, uh, and by your favorite means, my email, to your friends, your industry connections. Um, share it, and I really appreciate it when you do. And when you Twitter about my guests, when you tweet them, you're telling other people uh, about my guests. Uh, they have an opportunity to listen in and learn as well and become part of this uh, a movie Beat family of ours. So um, thank you for doing that. And uh, you can join the uh, MySpace, I'm sorry, the uh, Facebook Rex Sykes Movie Beat group or fan page by uh, going to uh, Facebook and, and searching uh, those or by uh, clicking on the link at my uh, profile page. I want to tell you about some uh, upcoming guests here. Uh, my very next guest is uh, actor Nick Mancuso. We're going to continue the discussion on creativity and acting. He created the TOP system, the top system for acting. Uh, he talks about art. He talks about a wide range of topics. You're going to want to tune in, I know for sure, and listen to him. Uh, this will be part two. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen. Reed Martin will be coming up after him. He's the author of a book called The Real Truth, 
which is about filmmaking and everything that uh, you need not to do in order to make a movie, as well as the things that you need to do in order to be successful. He will be up uh, two times before the end of the year, so uh, be sure to listen in. After uh, the New Year's, to, uh, in January, Douglas Day Stewart is a screenwriter and director. He's responsible for writing movies like Officer and a Gentleman, The Blue Lagoon, Boy in a Plastic Bubble, directed the uh, movie Thief of Hearts, which he also wrote. He's got movies coming up that he's going to be directing uh, in the coming year, and so he'll be here talking about that. Patrick Girardi is a post-production sound supervisor and re-recording mixer with about 300 credits to his name. He's going to come back uh, in January and talk to us about uh, re-recording mixing and uh, and post-production sound. Peter Marshall, uh, who did a first AD series with us, is coming back for the director's series. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. John Reese is the author of Think Outside the Box Office. He will be here uh, in January as well. Dallas Jenkins recently directed Christy Swanson and Kevin Sorbo and uh, one of Kevin's latest movies. He's going to be talking to us as well as Kevin will be back at some point. Michael O'Keefe will be back at some point. John Mendoza at some point and many others. So stay tuned. Um, in terms of events that are coming up, this weekend, tomorrow, Friday, in uh, Beverly Hills, California, at the Lamel Theater, Fall Down Dead. John Keyes, the director, he's done uh, a four-part director series for us. His movie is premiering right there at the Lamel Theater from the 18th to the 24th in Beverly Hills, so be sure to check into that and go see it if you're in that area. If you have any uh, questions, by the way, for my guests, you can contact them. Uh, you can contact me, actually, through the contact page or the chat room, which is now open. You may ask questions to the chat room or in advance by emailing them to me uh, with the name of the guest and the header, the questions in the body. If you have product, because people are trying to send me screener copies or books or, or uh, programs that they want me to listen to and talk to or talk about or, or to investigate in terms of having them on the show, uh, also use the information right there at the contact page. Firestarter Films will be coming up January 15th of 2010 at the Live Arts Studio in Milwaukee. The Field Film Fest, February 5th at UW-Waukesha. That is a film fest created by uh, myself, Movie Beat, Firestarter Films, and the UW-Waukesha. of And um, in Northern California, the Northern California Screenwriter and Filmmakers Expo is March 26th through the 28th of 2010 in Napa, California. You can find out more about that at the Hot and Fun blog on RexSykes.com. So those are the announcements. Thank you for joining me in the chat room. Thank you for listening in. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be a location scout. What are the duties and the responsibilities? What does one do? And in order to do that, I'm going to have my guest, Tim Mashansky. He's a location scout. He's also the author of a really handy book called The A to Z Guide to Film Terms. And he's uh, celebrating his 20th year in the film industry. And uh, some of his credits, some of the things he's worked on, are Twilight Saga, The New Moon, AVPR, Aliens vs. Predators, Good Luck Chuck, 88 Minutes in the Name of the King, Dungeon Siege Tale, The Wicker Man, Firewall, Get Carter, Reindeer Games, and many more. And uh, Tim's going to be coming on just now to talk about uh, his career, film scouting, and film terms. Are you there, Tim? How are you doing today? Hey, Rick. Sounds good. How are you? <laughs> good to hear you. I'm glad you're there. Um, so, yeah, what, let's uh, let's let's uh, start with uh, how did you decide to get into the film business, Tim? And and uh, and from there specifically, how did you become a location scout? Give us well, a little uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, when I was growing up um, as a kid, I um, just loved movies, and I just wanted to go to movies all the time. And I remember going to see Star Wars in the theater in 1977 when it came out. I was 12 years old, and I was hooked, and I ended up going to it nine times in the theater. We didn't have, you know, VCRs back then, and... Um, and I just fell in love with making movies, and then once I um, graduated from university uh, with an English degree, I, I took a lot of film courses, and then, you know, got a job as a PA um, on some sets, and worked as a you know, locations PA for a year or two. And I kind of just fell into the location scouting thing. I don't think it was something I woke up uh, one day and said, I want to be a location scout for a living, but um, it just sort of worked out that way. And um, it was a nice transition from working as a PA to get away from, you know, having to work uh, from five in the morning till ten at night every day and, and be wet and cold and different things like that. But it was a good experience um, learning how how a film is put together. Like, you know, you you put out the cones for the trucks and the trucks pull in in the morning and you see what happens right from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And that was helpful for me um, just to know the process of, of how, how a film or TV show is put together. So it was kind of a... You know, I guess it was sort of a—I wouldn't say a fluke, but it was just sort of something that happened. I just had an opportunity to work as a scout um, when I was in the locations department, and uh, someone gave me a chance, and then I decided that I liked it enough, and I've been doing it for uh, 14 years now, if you can believe that, up in Vancouver here in Canada. That's awesome. That is awesome. What? Um, so, uh, you know, there are people who come out to me and say, "Well, how do I get into the movies?" You know, in crew or. You know, they ask asking questions, but the idea of, I mean, a lot of people get in through PA or through an internship. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just address that for a little bit. I mean, I don't know if that's changed much in, in, in today in the sense that, uh, you know, people apply for jobs and they, they get a job or not. But mm -hmm. but can you give any advice or any suggestions to people who are trying to break in in, in that regard since that's how you did it? What? Uh, well, um you know, I guess to, to just get a job as a PA doesn't require too much um, experience or anything like that. I think it's more of just your attitude and, and if you're, you know, will, patient but yet persistent with people and then you sort of get somehow either know somebody or, you, you know, get your first job. I mean, I put out a lot of resumes when I first moved to Vancouver and it seemed like nothing was happening and then all of a sudden someone called me and said, uh, you know, come on down and we want you to, to work as a PA. And I said, oh, great, where's the set? And he said, oh, you're not going to the set, you're going to... Riverview Hospital, which is this old mental hospital in Vancouver that you have to clean up because we were there <laughs> for a week. And you, and so I went there and I just I had my Walkman at the time and I put it on and, and I just cleaned like crazy. And when he came back, he couldn't believe it. And he just said, oh, do you want to want to come to the set? So that was how I sort of got in. I think you have to, you know, in essence, prove yourself and prove that you, um, you know, can do the job well and you, you can work without uh, supervision and things like that. You know, and in terms of advice for people just getting in the industry or wanting to be, um, I think, you know, the, the nice thing about working as a PA is you get a lot of, there's a lot of time when you're really busy, but there's also times when you're just, like anybody in a film crew, standing around waiting for the scene to change or the shot to change. But um, the nice thing about it was being able to help other departments and sort of see what other departments did. And that was what really gave me a good um, insight into filmmaking was that, I would help the special effects guys or I would help the sound people or I would help the grips or I would help, you know, even though there's a lot of union sort of rules about what you can and can't do, um, there's still opportunities to help people out with, you know, equipment boxes and cases and things like that. And it just gives you the opportunity to talk to people and see how things work and that, that, that part of it's great. So, you know, I think if you want to make films, if you want to be a filmmaker, maybe you're better off to go to film school or just get a camera and start making your own films. But if you really want to you know, get a career or a job in the film industry, uh, I think it's helpful to be a PA because you can, 
it gives you the opportunity and the time to to watch what everybody does and decide sort of through process of elimination what you would like to do or not do on a film set. That's excellent advice. I always I always encourage people along the similar lines in the sense that uh, when you have that entry opportunity, whether it's paid as a production assistant or whether it's a, a free internship, you know, in exchange for credit or something else, mm-hmm. um, you know, to make yourself invaluable. You know, don't be don't be you know a pest, but make yourself the kind of person that uh, gets things done. And you said attitude, and I think having that um, because the, when it comes back to hiring again or having you know the next picture or the next TV series or something. Um, you know, if you've if you've done a great job and and uh, you connect well with people and they get to know you and who you are and they know your attitude is a good one, uh, yeah, you get hired back and and it exactly. is a great way entry position for people. So thank you for yeah, sharing exactly. that. You're welcome. Well, that's, uh, just as a side note to that too is um, when uh, I have noticed that you know you you may know somebody and you may be able to get in and get a job, but you're not going to keep that job very long unless you like you said have a, a positive attitude and you're willing to do things and without complaining and that really helps because when you're on a film you know as you may know and other people listening when you're working on a on a film, it can be pretty stressful sometimes there's a lot on on the line there's a lot of money being spent and it's you know if you can just show a good attitude and try to cheer people up or whatever it is is if even if you're you know not just as a p a but anybody um, people appreciate that, and they'll hire you back. You know, and that's the big thing well, is keeping a long, long-term career because it's you know it's one thing just to get in and get a job, but it's another thing to to learn um, that what you need to know as well as, as getting another job. That's always the, the key, isn't it? You know, keep getting another job. <laughs> you get hired back, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, excellent points, and I appreciate that. You know, and, and our listeners are everyone from A-listers, you know, who are very seasoned all the way down to people who've never. You know, or they're just now approaching getting into the movie business, and so, uh, you right. know, uh, the advice is useful for all of us. Um, uh, so, but in, in terms of uh, location scouting, what what skills or knowledge set, you know, does someone have to have really to get into location scouting? And and then and actually, why don't we start off by saying what a location scout, what it means to location scout? Because sure. people have different opinions of what that might be. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I when I started, I, I remember. Um, my first job and, and my location manager who's now a producer on the Vampire Diaries, Pascal Verscourus, um, he mentioned to me, um, you know, can you get out there and, and be a PA and, or be a scout, I should say, and, and do you know where all the, do you know where some mansions are? And I said, oh yeah, but I didn't know where they were. And he's like, you don't know. So it's it's a big thing of, um, it's a combination of skills, I think, um, to be a location scout. Maybe I'll just address that first is that, it's a, it's a, a knowledge of the particular geographical area you're in. I mean, you end up becoming a, an expert in your area because I, I, I scout throughout Vancouver and, and British Columbia and Canada here. Um, I'd love to have an opportunity to go to Europe or go somewhere else, but I mean, if I do, then I'd be like sort of blind or whatever you call it when I get there. I mean, you have to know the resources that are here and what and what um, eventually you find out who's what we call film friendly. I mean, in other words, they're open to having filming at their location or property. So uh-huh. it's a combination of like a geographical knowledge of your area and how to get from A to B. There's also the photo- photographic element, which because we have to photo document all the locations so they can be viewed by the production designer and the director and producers. Um, the other aspect is, like I said before, with the PA thing about just the knowledge of what happens on a film set, because it's if you just come from, say, a photographer background or you come from, they've had people who are taxi drivers that say, oh, I should be a location scout because I know the city really well. Well, that's one aspect of it, but it sure helps to know how a film production works because 
A, you're going to have to become sort of the liaison between the film crew and then the location owners who don't necessarily know what happens. So they ask you a lot of questions when you first show up at the door, knocking at their door. Um, and of course, each shoot is different. So, you know, one day we might be blowing up a car in front of a house, and the next day we're just doing a little walk and talk on their lawn or something. So I think you have to know, uh, that's where the lingo, I think, comes in, into play, which we'll talk about probably later. But um, Sure. There's, you know, they, there's sort of that, that skill set and... Um, how it works as a scout normally is um, I'll get a call from somebody and, you know, especially since I've been doing it for a while, I don't necessarily go into an office or meet with people. A lot of times they'll just call me and say, are you available today? Yes. Okay, can you go out and look for X, Y, and Z or do you know where we can find this this or that? So sometimes there's, you know, like a day gig where they'll just call you up and say we got one day to find something and then, which is frustrating sometimes, but um, other days or other shows will be, you know, a feature that I'll be working on for three or four months in a row. Um, scouting, and that's one of the things I like about the job is that it's something different every day. Like, I almost sometimes feel like there's a there's a big joke being played on me, and someone's just, oh, well, where should we send Tim today? Oh, let's send him to the top of a mountain, or let's send him to a underground tunnel, or let's put him on a rooftop, or let's send him to some mansion. So it's kind of interesting that I never really know what I'm going to be doing the next day, you know. Or sometimes I do, but it's there's a there's a variety of different things we need to look for. I mean, in, anything you can imagine in a script or a story. Um, you know, we have to find a place to film that or else they have to build it in the studio. So everything within a script is either a location or, or is a set that they have to build. And you must also have to have in, you know, uh, a catalog of internal uh, interiors because, you know, somebody says, I need a, a dentist office or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you not only do you need to know all the nice places outside around around your area, but but what's inside of buildings that you can turn people on to. That's true, okay. and that that can be a challenge too, especially if they ask for a penthouse. And you know, if you're walking around the streets and you're pressing buttons on the um, a skyscraper, hoping to get in touch with the people in the penthouse, it can take a long time. And it, I agree that that's one of the 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 skills, or why I get called back, or why scouts get called back all the time, is because they do know where you can shoot an office scene or their, you know a restaurant scene, and who would be. Who, you know, the the main thing that always happens um, within a within a location scout is that. There's a few aspects. One is finding something that work, looks great and, and just works for the movie and the director loves it and, the, and everybody loves the look of it. But then there's a the question of, does the owner okay with having filming there? So it's always, you know, I might find like the perfect place and I'll knock on the door and they'll say, sorry, we're not interested. And I'll be like, oh, this is a perfect place. You know, why don't you want filming? Well, we're just, we're just not interested. So, um, you know, you have to find the perfect place, but you also have to have the PR skills and the negotiating or whatever to to talk to people and say, you know, do you want to have a film here and, and try to either you know convince them that, that we're not going to destroy their house or something like that? But right. um, well, that, that, that's a big part of it. And you know, any any time a film starts or gets a green light to to go, the first two things that get set into motion is um, the casting and the location scouting. So, I mean, the scouts even start before the casting is done. Sometimes, you know, we're out there looking months before even the the office opens up, or weeks before the office opens up, and when they have you know the production coordinator and everybody go, going. Um, so there's a few different sort of uh, stages to the film, to, to the scouting. You know, one's the brainstorming session, read the script, talk to the location manager, or meet with the production designer, or you know, sometimes the director or the producers, and you know, make sure you're on the same page of what you're looking for. Like you might say, okay, the Johnson family house, but we don't know. Okay, what what is that char- Where does that character sit in the in the world? Like, where is he? Financially, and and could they have this type of house, or does should, what styles should the house be? Does that reflect the character? You know, there's a lot of um, details 
essentially. Uh, and I'm great, and I'm, I'm really glad that you brought all that up. Yeah, yeah. But if, if, before going on with it, though, you mm-hmm. also, I mean, because you said you work as a liaison, so let's say you do secure a location, and mm-hmm. they do come in and they film. The film crew pretty much has to make sure that they they do everything, they don't destroy the property, and that they leave the place, uh, you know, well off, and hopefully the people are happy, so that that you have a a place that you can come back to. I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's, that's a huge um, factor, and that's what I always um, mention to people: is that we, you know, we do want to come back, and we do want to make the, the part of the part of the job as lo- you know, location managers and scouts and and whatever else is that we want to we want to create a situation where we're welcome to come back again. And um, sometimes things happen that are beyond our control, you know, like, and maybe it's an accident. Like I've heard of, you know, um, a light being put too close to a painting in a house. And um, they come back, and the, the painting's melted, and it was a ten thousand dollar painting or something like that, oh, right? And yeah. it's like nobody nobody intended to do that. Um, or there's <laughs> there's lots of funny stories about you know um, one in particular that I know where um, the lights set off the fire extinguishers of the fire sprinklers. So uh-huh. there was you know just and they didn't couldn't find the manager in time, so that they couldn't turn the the sprinklers off and. You know, it flooded the place. So I mean, things do happen. It's it's you've sure. got an ar- army of people in your home, and all it takes is someone that's not really paying attention to swing a uh, C stand around and knock off a sculpture or something like that, right? So, I mean, those right. are the what we call the horror stories that I don't you know necessarily like to bring up when I'm scouting a place, but <laughs> yeah, I you know the idea <laughs> is yeah, but the idea is to definitely you know to to create a situation, and I I express to people that we want to come back, so we're not going to destroy your house. We'll put it back to normal afterwards. I mean, there there is insurance, and the location manager um, usually stays on after a show is wrapped to make sure that things are put back together, and and um, you know that the, the the resident or the homeowner or the property owner is happy, so that we can come back. Well, and you want to come back because you don't always want to. Ha- I mean, while you you always will be scouting new locations, you want those that you can rely on. You know that you exactly that you can return to. I mean, that's, that's that. Well, yeah, because when when someone calls you and says we only have one day to scout, you're not going to do a lot right. of necessarily cold calling. You're going to call up the people that you know are interested in filming, and you know, I wouldn't say scouts are lazy, but we do have to, you know, sometimes find things really quickly. So well, I, case, I, I, go ahead. Right? I'm, I'm just going. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that I don't think it has anything to do with being lazy. It's it's always easy to to market or to sell to somebody who's been pre-sold or who's bought before than to cold call a new you know a new mm-hmm. client. I mean, businesses spend you know millions of dollars nurturing their their customer base so that because it costs more to get a new co- client than it does to take care of an old one. So I, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. Uh, but let me ask you now that you've addressed some of these things: burning paintings, knocking sculptures, uh, mm-hmm. turning on sprinklers. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend someone lend out their home for a film shoot? Uh, yeah, I would. Um, you know, the main thing I would suggest is to check out the company and, you know, make sure that there's someone reputable or that there's um, obviously an insurance policy. Um, normally we take out, for commercials and photo shoots, $2 million policy, and that's a hold harmless thing so that, you know, the homeowners, you know, if someone trips or breaks something or whatever, it's not the homeowner's fault. It's completely the production's, you know, responsibility and, and um so that you know, I mean, I, I know people. There's a particular home in in Vancouver that I don't mention the name, but they literally put all three of their kids through college. Um, they had they've had over a hundred, at least over a hundred productions shot in their home because it's just it's got it's the perfect home. I mean, you walk in and directors like it immediately. It's open, it's it's um, bright, and there's lots of light, and it's it's large enough rooms to film in. Yet it doesn't look like a mansion. So that's 
that's that's a big thing is is you know finding a place that's big enough to film inside but looks you know small and cute on the outside that's often a requirement that we have to do is you know find a normal family home but yet it's got to be big enough to film in and you can always make a place look smaller but you can't make a small place bigger you know to right, right. to have someone there but I'm not sure if that answered your question but no 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 that's good i mean i wish i could rent out my house you know on a mm-hmm. weekly monthly you know basis for uh for film crews, I mean, I, 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 you know, living in Hollywood, that was something that uh, oftentimes, you know, people would do, and friends of mine would do, and, and you know, yeah, you, like you said about putting someone through college, or, or just the fact that they could say so and so sat in my living room today. You well, know? Yeah, that, that's a big, that's a big thing I've noticed when I'm scouting, you know, mansions or big, big estates and things like that. Uh-huh is that, you know, let's be honest, they don't really need the money, you know. So it's not right. about the money for a lot of people. It's more of of the um, of the cachet. I mean, I know when I did the movie RV with Robin Williams, uh-huh. I'm not sure if this happened or not, but I remember one of the mansions we were looking at for this party scene, and the woman said, um, you can film my house as long as I can have dinner with Robin Williams. That's all she cared about. <laughs> so, you know, there's perks involved. I mean, you, you know, like you said, you get you get um, the people. You know, it's kind of neat to say, "Hey, somebody filmed here," and, uh, and I got to meet, you know, Nicholas Cage or whoever. Um, but you know, again, people but but people still want the money too. So don't get me wrong. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it can be quite lucrative for for businesses or, or restaurants. And you know, one of the things that happens too is if you might find a perfect place, but then you, know, you say if it's a restaurant, but then you got other merchants in the area that you have to deal with, and they're some you know t- sometimes put out because you're filming right in their you know face essentially. You got equipment sure. and people everywhere, so oftentimes you have to compensate them as well. So sometimes it's a bit of a um, an offshoot or whatever you call it. That if you happen to be in the area, maybe you'll get some benefit of it too. I know we often in a neighborhood will you know it's only a couple hundred bucks or something like that, but somebody will, will have to rent out their driveway so we can park a truck or use their yard for the craft service or something like that. So I think there's a lot of benefit to having filming in your in your place besides just the you know the money or the. Um, it it's also supports the industry. It so it supports your local, you know, film crews and production people. I mean, most of the people that work in Vancouver are from Vancouver. Sure, the higher up above the line people, um, creative types are from LA or wherever. But um, you know, you're really supporting an industry that's a clean industry for the most part. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, so I think it's I think it's a positive thing. Awesome. Well, we're almost at that halfway point. I'm just going to take a quick break. I'm going to say sure. that you're listening to Rick Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is RexSykes.com. That's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. And keep in mind that I do appreciate your comments and support about blogs and articles and conversations. And please do feel free to email me through the website if you hear about something coming up before I do. Contact me right away. Give me some lead time. I'll attempt to investigate it, uh, vet it, and, uh, and get it up on the website in a timely fashion if you've got any products or promotional materials or books or whatever that you want to send me, also use that contact page. And if you've got questions for guests, be sure to also email that way if you're not in the chat room and have a question at the, at, you know, when the conversation is live. Uh, I'm with Tim Moshansky. He's the author of A to Z, a Guide to Film Terms, which is a really handy book. I'm really glad that I have it. And it's, his website is, is uh, filmterms.com. That's F-I-L-M-T-E-R-M-S.com. The book is uh, from First Wave Publishing. And uh, it's, a, it's a great pocket guide. It literally will fit in your pocket and carry it with you on the set or anywhere uh, and, and look it up. Kind of, kind of like, a, like a, a foreign language dictionary, you know, when you're traveling. You want to have something, you know, to look up and say, you know, how do I find a restaurant or something. Well, then you've got film terms that you can carry with you. Tim, um, thank you so much so far 
for everything that you said. I, I kind of want to I want to go with you know what are the steps to studying occlusion? You know we, we've been talking about that in the duties, but there are different aspects of it. Like you said, you know there's a preliminary scout maybe months before the production office has even um, got personnel in it, and uh, then ultimately you have a tech scout and a tech survey and, and different things that happen. So can you take us through that process and maybe? Um, highlight the duties or the personnel and the people who are um, with you or not with you during each step of the way? Sure. Um, well, okay, it, it starts, like I said, um, let's, let's take a feature film, for example, because I'm starting one right now. So I've got the script okay. and I read the script and, you know, in this case, quite an interesting script, lots of locations. Um, and so your mind can, can, can I ask you a quick question? Are yeah. you responsible for breaking down the locations out of the script and saying, uh, okay, Sometimes. Sometimes uh, I offer that to the location manager. Sometimes the location manager will do it themselves. But, um, okay. yeah, I mean, that's what that's one of the things we do. That's a good That's a good uh, point is that we'll do a, a breakdown of the locations and find out how many how much page count is for each um, location. So, And then we also determine what are the most problematic or, or locations we should start looking for right away and the other ones can wait until we're you know set because some some locations are harder to get than others obviously and um, so we, we start with that break it down and if it's a say there's a house that has out of a feature film script with 120 pages and there's you know 20 pages at a house that's you know sixth one sixth of the movie or whatever so that priority to scout for that right off the bat um, you know and so that would be where we'd start, and so I would start looking for um, the priorities first. So let's say let's say we need to do a bank robbery, and we need to find a bank. But you know, it's hard to, to shut down a bank. So and we need to prep it, and maybe we need to have some gunfire in there. So so maybe I'll look for a building that isn't a bank, but could look like a bank. Um, that's a good place to start. And so from there, what I do is I, I you know set out and um, either go to the film commission, which has a library of of um, locations, files, photos, or I'll just, you know, start driving around and, and talking to people and taking photographs. And, and these days, I usually put it on a secure website so that people log in and they can see the photos. You know, in the old days, we used to have to print out film and, and paste them together in, in panoramic shots and, and in a file folder. And then, you know, we have all these physical files where we'd actually, uh -huh. you know, show up at the office and meet with the production designer usually. Um, and you know, just just to point out that it is the production designer that's usually the person that's you know guiding you or making some of the decisions. Obviously, the location manager is pretty important too because they're the ones that are going to have to deal with you know the realities of filming somewhere. But as far as the look and the vision of a film, it's normally to it starts out with the production designer. Sometimes the director too. And but you know, there's usually a filter through for the production designer, and the production designer will say, "Yes, I like this." So let's show that to the director. So we'll sort of shortlist a bunch of places. Um, and then, you know, at a certain point, they will do what's a little, what we call a little scout with the uh, with the bus or a little van, and we'll put the director and the production designer, location manager, first AD, and the producers in, in a bus or a van and drive them around. Just a preliminary, like, look at the locations. Like, for instance, we did a, a shoot um, a few months ago where... We had looked at about eight houses in one day, um, you know, just in a morning where I set it up. So I'd have to set up all the uh, appointments with the homeowners and, and make sure they're there and sort of jump ahead, um, show up at the house and say, our guys will be here in five to ten minutes or whatever. And then they'll look through all the houses. And at the end of the day, in, in fact, in that particular show, they didn't like any of the houses, even though they had said they wanted a certain style of house, which at this point was a Victorian house. 
then they realized, well, we don't really want to work Victorian house now because we've seen eight Victorian houses and none of them work. So, <laughs> so it's sort of a process. That's what I always say is that, you know, it, it is a process that evolves as it goes. I mean, you may be on the wrong track for a little while, and, you know, it might not be anyone's fault. You just realize at a certain point, hey, we're on the wrong track. We've got to change direction here. Um, so that's, that's the, you know, the first sort of stage. And then as it gets closer to the filming date um, and the AD gets involved, like Peter Marshall, for instance, um, you would start breaking down the scenes more into, like, the cast and the, it's a day-out-of-day schedule together and a one-liner schedule so that they start fitting the puzzle together. So maybe we have, like, five days at the house, but we have half a day at a, a grocery store and we need to fill in the next half of the day with something else. So they have to sort of do this big puzzle um, fitting in the schedule, fitting everything into whatever, you know, shooting day schedule you have. So that can be a challenge too is, you know, waiting for uh, feedback essentially from the directors or the production designers um, so that they can, you know, fit it, fit it, the whole puzzle together essentially. Now you um, you mentioned. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, just and then from that point, um, there's a few other stages, but um, from that point, um, we would do the text text survey, what we call it, where we, all of the head of departments go and look at all the locations just prior to the fil- start of the filming dates. Uh-huh. Principal principal photography. So, um, and at that point, you're pretty much locked. Like the locations are locked, and you're actually only just going into viewing specific locations that um, that you've chosen or that the production has chosen to film in. So that's sort of the last stage. And, you know, and sometimes um, I've got a friend that works worked on, on a, a, a huge feature that just shot here, the A-Team. And he's, he worked he worked as a scout right till the very end. They're, they're filming, they're finished filming this week, and he's he's work, still working. He started in April. So it gives you an indication of just, it was such a huge show that things would change as they were going. And Maybe there's uh, script changes happen too. You know, maybe I've I've even done things where I work on on a particular location trying to find something, and then a couple of weeks go by, and then they'll say, "Oh, we forgot to tell you, we dropped that scene. <laughs> it's not even in the script anymore." <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but, you have to go with the flow. You have to be flexible, and you have to know that people change their minds, and that um, you got to be flexible. And and you know, you're working for them, so the idea is to, like I said, have a good attitude and just say, "Hey, you know, no problem. I'll just keep looking." I have two questions to kind of piggyback each other, and one is: is would you differentiate for the listeners the, the, the a location scout and location manager? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what sure. the difference is, or why you you work with a location manager or, or a location producer. Um, right. And then the second one, second part to that is is you you know you've you've done your tech survey, you've you've locked in the locations. Yeah, you, you ever encounter those situations where? Uh, for better or worse, they didn't lock in a location that you thought they had, or that the location yes. people suddenly changed their mind at the last minute and said, "No, yes. oh, we want out." That's definitely happening. It's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, we have to roll with the punches essentially. And and um, you know, if if if, if a property uh, owner does change their mind at the last minute, then it you know can throw a wrench in the system. And Another thing that, that, well, before I get to the difference between a location manager and a scout, um, another thing that often happens is, you know, we'll be, we'll be going along and everything's fine, and um, and then the, if the director or the producers can't make up their mind, it just delays everything. And, and you know, for people who are out there, the A-listers, as you call them, that actually work in film, <laughs> that's one of the most frustrating things and the thing that costs so much money in the long run. Like, you might think, oh, location scouting is, you know, it's important, but how how important is it? Well, if if they're just about to go to camera and 
they change their mind on the location or or they just can't or can't make a decision so many dominoes will fall if you don't you know make that decision before you go to camera because now the director's got to try to you know make a decision while they're shooting that by the time they're shooting there's a million things going on um maybe that's why my friend on the a team is working so long is that um (laughs) you know things and and script changes too but it, it is frustrating when either the the director or the or the property owner um you know changes their mind or something like that so there's a lot of repercussions is all i can say is that i think so many shows would be um, better off to spend more time and, and effort scouting and make decisions sooner um, then you would save a lot of money in a production because if, if everything's locked and everything stays that way then it's great but if it doesn't and it changes that means every other department has to adjust their things for that new location whether it's the art department or sound or whatever so uh, I'm going to throw in another question right before you yeah. delineate the, the difference between both both sure. uh, careers and that is, uh, you ever have a situation? Because you mentioned it somewhat about filming in a in a in a neighborhood or filming somewhere, and you know, paying to use somebody's driveway. You ever have a situation arise where you're using, a, say, a storefront or a restaurant or a, a hardware store or something? You you know, some location on a street, and the neighbor next door is pissed off because you're there. Yes, you know, I mean, many times. Oh yeah, that happens all the time. Um, you know, and, and a lot of time it's puzzling why people are so um, against filming sometimes. It's just, you know, isn't there something better that you have to do than just complain that there's a few trucks in your neighborhood? I mean, I know it can be annoying, and I know property owners, especially if it's what we call a hot location or a hot neighborhood, which means it's been filmed in so many times that it needs to cool down. It's, it's It becomes hot. And you don't want a burned location, which is the worst. Is, is they literally, you know, got burned by a film company because of some reason, whether they didn't get paid enough or they didn't get fixed properly or just did, they did things above and beyond what they said they were going to do. I mean, the film company. Um, so that does happen, um, and it's unfortunate. And what kind of remedies might, what kind of, you know, have you been around when they tried to remedy that situation? Well, or yeah, I mean, I've I've been in a situation where we were doing reindeer games and we were trying to find... At the end of the movie, he comes home, and he's all beat up and battered. He's wearing the Santa suit, and he comes home, and it's like a family Christmas dinner. It's supposed to be the nice ending. Uh-huh. And we found this perfect house, and we were going we to snow the whole street, so we had to make You know, it's filming in the summertime, so we had to put snow blankets and, and fake snow everywhere on the trees and everything, and we had to get everybody on board. And we were going to compensate people, you know. And um, But there was one person that lived right next door to the house, and he was a lawyer, and he just... I guess his car had been towed by a film company many years before, and Ouch. he just decided that he hated film film people and film, filming in general. So we offered him everything. We offered him like a trip to Whistler and you know hotel and you know a flight or a vacation or whatever he wanted, and he just said no, 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 no. So eventually they had to drop it and move to a completely different neighborhood and find a different spot because you know when when someone really digs their heels in, there's not really much you can do. I mean we can, we've offered people. Like I said, trips or money or whatever they want, but you know, I guess everybody has a price at a certain point. But the the, the budget of the film also dictates, you know, what can be done for that. And his no meant that you couldn't blanket his yard or you know any any kind of yeah. yeah so it wouldn't have worked because he was right next to the house. <laughs> he, he yeah, we had to get his permission. So another right. quick and interesting like anecdote is there's a little um, nice community out um, here called Steveston. It's sort of a fishing town or something like that and um really cute community and i guess they had gone in and got permission to shoot at this grocery store on the outside so they set up all this stuff and you know we always put the american um, mailboxes and things in to make it look like we're in the states right up here 
um, for the movie, and they, they thought they had an agreement and signed contract and all these things. And I guess the owner of the, the actual owner of the building showed up, so he wasn't the the store proprietor, but he was the owner of the building, and uh-huh. he hadn't been told, and nobody had said anything to him. And it was pretty unfortunate because he got in a big tantrum and started destroying the set that was outside with all the fruit and vegetables up in the containers and knocked things over and kicked the oh, mailbox wow. over and <laughs> it was kind of a bizarre thing. But there was two there was two police officers that were helping the crew with the crowd con- or the road control and things like that. We often hire police officers to help us sure. um, block traffic and things. And they actually handcuffed him and put him in the back of the car, which wasn't very good, uh, you know. <laughs> Things, things for the film. <laughs> yeah. So you know, things happen, and um, not everybody likes filming, especially like you know, Vancouver's almost coming, becoming like Hollywood, I guess, in a way that, in the terms of, you know, 15 years ago, people didn't care. They, you know, no problem filming our neighborhood, and now it's more like, you want me to turn my lawnmower off? Give me 200 bucks or something like that, right? So it starts happening more and more as you film more and more, and Vancouver's a you know pretty popular place for filming, so. Um, and, you know, that brings us to the l- difference between location manager and scouts. Is, you know, the one thing about being a scout that I really enjoy is that at the end of the day, you walk away and that's it. I don't have any responsibility to anything except, you know, uh, getting, giving someone a phone number or something like that. Whereas a location manager, they have a huge amount of responsibility and, you know, they, they have to delegate to their PAs and their assistant location manager and and scouts and sort of be a liaison between the production manager and and the, the property owners, and they're the ones that sign the contract, the ones that negotiate the rates for the property rental. Um, if something goes, you know, when when you sign a, a thing with the city, you, the location manager and the producer's name has to go on that, you know, signature on the contract. So if you're doing a huge explosion downtown, which happens a lot, um, there was a case where, I won't mention the name, but there's a special effects guy here that goes above and beyond. Like, he'll, he'll to, to blow out a wall, he'll put, um, or to blow out a, a window, he'll put as much... Um, debt cord is would cause to blow out a whole wall <laughs> so he blew up the, he blew up this thing downtown and it, sm- it smashed windows for like several city blocks so a hundred thousand dollars in window damage um okay. so the location manager at that point has to step in and and you know it's, it's it can be a pretty stressful job and then you know any point in time in the middle of the night someone could call the location manager and say hey the parking lot's blocked and we can't get in or we need access to this or that. I mean, you're in the fire all the time, so it's it's a difficult job. I mean, one thing I like about I tried location management, and I decided I didn't like it because I'm too sensitive. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so I just I stick to the scouting, and I enjoy it. I can come home at a normal time, and I can I can write my book and work on that and and things like that. So you know, it's a bit more independent. I'm sort of I, I consider myself like Jim Rockford almost, like I'm a daily rate. I'm a, like a private investigator. I have to go out and look in people's mailboxes to find their names and look in the window and ask questions and, you know. So I'm like, you give me my daily rate plus expenses and I'm, a, I'm off. Well, that's but, cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I, uh, um, I, I want to go back uh, just a bit uh, sure. to, to the p- a point that you made that I think that I think is interesting and, and, and obviously the, the, the manager has to deal with it, but the where you said, you know, you had a store owner who was like, yeah, go ahead, shoot my in my place, but the building owner. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been advised. So That's technically, right. I mean, you know, when when it comes to making movies, you you, uh, you got to check and make sure you're saying. I guess the got to make sure you're talking to the person who has the authority. Exactly, and that's one of the things as a scout that it's sort of part of my responsibility is to find that out because there's so many times when someone says, "Oh yeah, he can film here," and you're like, "Are you the owner of the property?" Well, no, but I know the owner, and they said it's fine. 
And then uh-huh. you talk to the owner, and they're like, no, it's not fine. You know, so you have to, it, it, there's, it, you know, like I said, there's so much riding on a film, and that's why I think people sometimes get tense on a film set and stressed out, is that there's just, you know, when you're spending, um, I think a friend of mine did a show for Fox recently, and they said it's $75,000 an hour for the crew. So, you know, it's a lot of money riding on that. So for a 20, 30-day shoot, that's a $20 million movie or whatever, right? 750000 a day. And then if it goes into overtime, and if something, if one little tiny thing is preventing the crew, like... Like the ADs, you know, they're the ones who schedule everything and say, you know, in 10 minutes we're going to be doing the next scene, and then after that we're going to the next location. And, you know, there's just so much. It's like logistics for an army or an army maneuver or something like that. So. Well, that's a, that's a good point because, you know, you, you not only have your, your, locate, I mean, your, your setups and your moves within a, in a particular location, but you have your location moves and you have uh, meal, you know, if you're working a union shoot, you have meal penalties. You've got uh, yep. turnover times. You've got, you know, overtime and stuff like that. So, so something can very quickly escalate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. So, like, if they get to a home and then and they, they, for whatever reason, it's not, it's locked or something like that, or, you know, just so many different things can happen that you have to, you have to deal with when it happens. And mostly that's location manager because by the time they start filming, normally. I'm finished and I'm on to the next job. So that's one thing for me is I'm kind of like an eternal prep all the time. You know, I'm not I'm not shooting, even though I used to work on set as a PA and sometimes as a location manager. But um, you know, you're you're kind of uh, gone by the time they start filming. So it's all the location manager that has to deal with those type of things. But yeah, there's a lot there's a lot on going. And I, you know, again, it, it's it's you have to do some investigative and detective work to find out who the owner is and and confirm and make sure that that's who it is and that, that you have rock-solid, locked-in permission to do what you want to do, right? So absolutely, that's, that's a big absolutely. factor. Well, you know, a situation, we've got about, you know, literally 12 minutes. I'm going to ask, I'm just sure. going to ask you right now, to, you know, to come on back because we're going to want to talk about, you know, your book and, a, sure. and a, it's certainly about more of these stories and things like that. So, uh, you know, and we're going to run out of time. Yep. And, uh, and and I don't want us to miss out on any of that and, and, and sure. especially especially with your book. I mean, I love your book. And so, um, but let me say this. I mean, recently you know, there was a, a movie that shot here and the uh, one of the locations on, on a particular street said yes and they, they put up a new facade. They made it look like something out of the 20s as opposed to out of the, you know, 21st century. And mm-hmm. uh, and then the owner came back and uh, and went, no, this is not cool. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And they, they had all sorts of problems and were trying to renegotiate. Well, I'd eaten at this place, and so I went in, and they knew me, and you know, because I was friendly, and I just said, "Look, I'll, I'll handle it. You know, I can't do the contracts; I'm not on the crew." But I walked okay. in, and I said, "God, there's a movie shooting out in front of you, and there, <laughs> and your building is in this thing, and how lucky you are, right? You know, because you've got these stars that are here, and you got this whole thing." I said, "You know, years from now, you're going to have pictures of this thing, and you're going to be able to say, yeah, that's when they came in and did.'" And so I just sat, and I had lunch, and you know, I bought a lunch, and had my kids in there, and everything, and told her, you know, pretty much, this was fantastic, and I went to the production or the location manager said make sure that they get stars photos you know get a couple mm-hmm. pictures of the stars so that they can put them up inside and mm-hmm. and make her happy and she's fine now you know kind of thing but yeah. you, you know you'll still have to but but you know it was only because i was a familiar face probably and not somebody associated with the crew right. that i could i could walk in and go oh god this is great to express the benefits right. to them in other words yeah and there's there's some other little perks and then side deals or whatever you want to call it that can happen i mean i've heard of and seen um, where we'll go into a place at a house and 
the woman will say, uh, you know, the wife or whatever, the husband will say, uh, my my daughter or my son is really into acting, and they, you know, they're totally into the movies and stuff. And is there any way you can get them a part or something rolling? And we'll try to get them in as an extra or something like that. Like, we, there's some sure. some things we can do. And and like you said, just you know, show, showing the positive aspects of, you know, hey, especially a restaurant or or some kind of store like that. It just brings, I think, it brings um, you know, people back to your store or your restaurant. And sure, there's there's one day where you don't have any customers because I've gone into restaurants and they say oh no we don't want to we don't want to have filming here because we have our regular customers and we don't want to scare them off I mean realistically you have one day of filming there a couple of days do you think people are really going to abandon you and not come back to your business just because you had filming there for a couple of days I don't think so and, people and have renovations too and they have to close down sometimes right and that was her concern too she was mm-hmm. like I'm going to lose all my customers people are calling mm-hmm. up and going what did you close or go out of business and you know right. she may have had a handful of calls, but but in the in the long run it worked out for. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Uh, someone, uh, 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 a friend of ours named Chris on the uh, chat room had a question for you, and and uh, sure. I'd like you to be able to answer that as well. And I still have uh, more questions. And that was, uh, he asked, do you have a network of people abroad or in areas familiar with certain areas? I, I guess uh, when he says abroad, I don't know if it means in Canada or literally overseas, or mm-hmm. but uh, he says do you have a network of people familiar with certain areas and then the second part of the question i guess is if you answer yes the question would be how would you get into such a network or hit in on such a network uh i don't necessarily because you know, like i said before um part of the thing is that i work right in my specific geographical area because i'm sort of quote unquote an expert on this area so uh-huh. i mean i don't know what the network of people in abroad would would do for me i mean you know, if we need to research Romania, we did a movie for Nickelodeon this year called um, The Boy Who Cried Werewolf, and it's set in Romania or Transylvania or somewhere like that. And I didn't have somebody I called in Romania and said, oh, you know, can you help me find something? Because we didn't shoot there. So I don't, I'm not really sure if I understand the question, but I guess the answer would be no, I don't have a network of people in different countries um, because that's that's the thing, you know, there's a film commission in pretty much every city in North America and probably in, you know, different countries too, Um Film commissions everywhere, and each film commission for its own area has, you know, resources and/or scouts um, that they can call on to help them with a production that's coming. So, I'm not sure if that answers the question, or if, if I'm just need to clarify what the question is. But I would say right off the bat, probably no. I don't have a network of people abroad. So, all right. Hope that. And, and we were. <laughs> And now I have to go back in my head. We were we were delineating a production manager from production scout, as I recall. Yes, yeah, location manager. You know, uh, oh, like I said, a scout a scout has way less responsibility. I don't have to sign any contracts. I don't have to stay in the office till eight or nine o'clock at night going, through, and I don't have to create budgets. And you know, I I help in any way that I can or that I get requested for. Like I said, I'll, I'll occasionally break down a script with, into the different locations and how many page count, you know, how much page count there is for each location and different things like that um but pretty much the location manager is the word manager is basically the key they're the management part of things they you know manage the cleanup of the locations they manage the prep of certain locations so they'll make sure that a pa goes in there and puts cardboard and carpets down and things like that or you know preserves and takes out things um that they'll want to get broken or and then so they they have to sometimes especially someone like I have a friend who works on Smallville and he's the only location manager on Smallville they used to have two so they would have one prep location manager and one shoot location manager and then they overlap and leapfrog each other uh-huh. but after after 8 or 9 seasons they they started reducing the budget on you know certain shows so on that case 
um, he had to assume responsibility for you know everything. So he'd be prepping, shooting, wrapping all at the same time. Sometimes you know, like they're they're shooting a, an episode every eight days. So while they're shooting one episode, they're they're prepping and scouting for the next episode, and they're also cleaning up from the last episode that they just shot. So there can be a lot going on for location manager, and it's it's a it's a tough job. And I definitely um, think they they definitely earn their money. You know, it's a lot of work and a lot of time. Now, what advice would you give? To someone who's, who wants to get into location scouting, uh, this sounds cynical, but I would I would say have an extra job or something that can keep you going in between the shoots. Because um, even though I've been doing it for 14 years, and I would say I have a pretty good reputation in town. I mean, like I'm um, out, of, out of you know I don't know how many scouts there are in Vancouver, but you know there's about 10 or maybe 20 that are really good and that are you know the top notch scouts. And and even then we you know you have to like anybody in the film industry you have to keep recreating your job you have to hustle for the next job all the time and um if you get on a series you're lucky you know again there's trade-offs too because if you get on a series it's a little bit more stressful because it's like we got to get this location within eight days you know whereas a feature which is my favorite you have three months to find everything or whatever four months you know so it's it's a little bit i wouldn't say leisurely but it's a little bit more less stress or it's a little bit less stress um but in terms of advice you know a have a second job that's flexible or some kind of secondary income so that you can keep yourself alive between the shoots. Um, B, um, it would help to be a PA, I think, personally, because then you see how a film is, is put together and made. Like someone just to come from just a raw, fresh person out of high school or college or something like that and wants to be a location scout right off the bat, I'd, I, I, just, I don't necessarily recommend that because there's just too much to know. It seems simple, and actually when I've been really busy, sometimes I'll hire... Or, or try to hire a friend or a relative or someone like that and say, hey, here's a camera, can you go out and take pictures of this, this, and this? And then they come back and they didn't get a reverse shot or they didn't, you know, there's certain things they didn't photograph, they didn't find out the property owner's name, or, you know, there's a lot of details. And, and so it's hard to sort of just learn right off the bat. So I would say work as a PA would be a helpful thing, at least for a little while, to get an idea of how it all works. Um, and again, those other skills that I mentioned, like photography, um, Knowledge of the city, a good clean, a good driving record, and a good car, a reliable car that can get you around. That's one of my most important tools. I mean, my main tools are my cell phone, my car, my and my camera. Without those tools, I couldn't do my job. And I have to make sure, you know, that my license, my driving record's clean, so that I can still drive. And um, I'm not saying that I'm a bad driver. I'm just saying, you know, there's there's a lot of things you have to have ready to go. I mean, I remember a location manager telling me a long time ago. Location managers don't want to hear that you're sick. They don't want to hear that your tire has a flat. They don't want to hear that you're out of gas. They don't want to hear that you have no money for petty cash. They don't want to hear that your camera's broken. They want to hear you say, yes, I'm going out and I'm heading out right now to go look for some locations. So, you know, I, I, those are the basics. But um, and, and talk to location managers. I mean, if you can if you can talk to a location manager and you think you have what it takes, then then give it a shot. You know, I mean, it's not like rocket science necessarily. Just the, the more experience you have, and like you said, a database and even in your mind of who's film friendly like i you know if someone called me right now and said i need a b c or d i could give them some options right off the top of my head of what might work so it's a little bit of a combination of experience and um, some skills photo skills and the pr skills I, you have to really emphasize that because right. when you knock on someone's door and you want to take pictures of their house within the next three or four minutes i mean that you have to have some really good pr skills and um you know <laughs> 
I've done it before. I mean, you literally knock on the door and you, you you give them the spiel, and then next thing you know, you're in their house taking pictures of their entire house and all their belongings. So, I mean, there's got to be a trust <laughs> factor there too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's that's a big part of it is is the PR because you have to be a liaison in a way between the production company and the property owners, similar to a location right. manager, except that I'm the first. I'm the first one out the gate. I mean, I have to be, let's say, uh, proper personal grooming is important too because, you know, no offense to anyone who has tattoos or, or um, you know, piercings. piercings in their head or whatever um, or bald or whatever. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, you're kind of like a vacuum sale, vacuum cleaner salesman sometimes when you knock on the door and it's like, hi, I'm, I'm Tim Moshansky and I'm a location scout and would you like to have filming here? In a lot of cases, you're offering them something. So it's not like you're saying, do you want to buy something? But you're saying, right. hey, you know, you can make some... I'm not, I don't say this, but, you know, people know they can make money off it. And um, so that that's about the top five, I would say. Personal grooming, public relations skills, um, how to take a picture and make it look good in, in whatever lighting you happen to have. Um, and cool. The car, the car thing, the cell phone. And a knowledge of the location, knowledge of your geographical area or city. Um, I know some people become experts in just nature things. Like I, I know people that are, live in the mountain and mountainous areas, and that's their expertise. They don't come into town and go to the penthouses and things. But uh, for me, I'm sort of a combination of nature scout and and um, downtown scout, I guess you could say. So cool. Tim, we've got, we're going to have maybe about a minute and a half left. It's, sure. The time has flown by. Uh, I would like to have you on before the end of the year if we can arrange that for maybe next sure. week. I, if that's good, like yeah. maybe Monday or something, uh, we'll we'll come back and we'll talk all about your book. We'll talk more about some maybe some of your favorite moments while scouting. Sure. Uh, but I want I want to use the next uh, minute and a half, and it's not fair to you, but to give you the opportunity. So why did you why did you write your book on film terms? And and we'll just begin to touch on that now, and, sure. and we'll have to conclude it next time. But well, I literally, um, I you know, I'd graduated from the University of Victoria with a degree in English and film studies, and you know, I thought I'd be a director. I thought I'd be making movies, and and I'd done some of my own little films and and videos. And so when I moved to Vancouver, I got a job as a PA, and then you know, within the next, you know, aside from that first job of cleaning up the place um, that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I sort of uh, I think I lost track of what I was going to say. Um, when I was sitting in a okay, here it is. When I was sitting in a parking lot for 14 hours a day with the walkie-talkie, and I was, you know, maybe uh, a block or two away from the set, and I kept hearing all these ter- different terms that they were saying over the walkie-talkie, and so I, th- you know, I had a lot of time, so I just started jotting them down in a little notebook, and then I had, I had read this book called Dollars in Your Mailbox, which talked about, you know, write a little book and sell it, and I, you oh, know, cool. sort of followed the the advice and and thought, you know, and one of the things said most people have a dream to write a book, but they never follow through with it. And in bold letters, it said follow through with your idea and so that's what I did I just decided to follow through with it and then once I got on set I started asking people about things and sometimes to the annoyance of the crew members because they were you know trying to work and I'm asking what's that thing you know what, what do you call that why do you do that <laughs> um, so then it just kept growing and growing and growing and and um, I knew I had a hit on my hands when I first printed it uh, you know a couple hundred copies back in 95 and awesome. took it around on a film set and they sold out really quickly and every time I print the book it sells out so it's just hit a nerve or something like that. That's fantastic. It is an awesome, like I said, it's an awesome book. It's a, Thanks. it's definitely something you want to carry with you, and, and people want to carry with them and keep on their, on their person uh, and study it so that when they're on a set or or near a set, they they know what people are talking about, and it is useful. And we're going to come back and explore those terms, uh, very shortly. Tim, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Uh, it's been fabulous. Thanks so much. We're going to continue this uh, in just a few days. I appreciate that. 
Thanks, uh, Rex. It's fascinating. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Rex. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And to you, my listeners, I want to encourage all of you to keep tuned in. Uh, Rick, Ban- I'm sorry, Nick Mancuso is coming up tomorrow, uh, the very next interview I have. Then we'll have uh, we'll have Tim back, and we'll have Reed Martin and the Real Truth back, uh, and that will close out this year. And then next year, we've got all sorts of fabulous people coming up. We're lining up all of January and February and March right now. So you'll want to stay tuned to rexsikes.com. I want to thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends, your industry connections. Tweet it. Facebook it, MySpace it, email about it, but share Rex Sykes Movie Beat with your friends because we've got great guests like mine today. Uh, so check out the archives. That's a wrap. Go on, make your movies, make your projects, have fabulous holidays. I'll see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>